Welcome to Brand Story Inc. I'm your host, Jay Sharman. Every week we sit down with smart folks to talk about innovative ways they are creating content to connect with their audiences. I'd like to say every company can be a media company, and this conversation hopefully helps you understand why. Joining us today on Brand Story Inc. is Jill Lesser. Jill is the Vice President of Integrated Communications and Brand Management for National Geographic Partners, where she oversees all of the company's communications, brand, synergy, and integrated planning work. That includes the National Geographic media property called Planet Possible, a brand within the brand, if you will, that we're going to explore on the show today. Jill joined NetGeo after serving as Managing Director at the Glover Park Group. GPG during a second stint with the firm with an expertise in strategic communications, public affairs, and government relations. Previously, Jill was founding president of Women Against Alzheimer's, a network of us against Alzheimer's. And in that role, she created the first advocacy organization with a particular focus on Alzheimer's disease, impact on women, and led a campaign to find, fund, and implement a cure for the disease. Jill was also the executive director of the Center for Copyright Information, also known as CCI, a joint collaboration between the music and movie industries and large internet provider to implement the copyright alert system and educate the public about digital copyright. And prior to that, Jill worked at AOL Time Warner, where she served as both senior policy advisor and senior VP of domestic public policy. She also serves on the board of trustees of Levine Music School and Us Against Alzheimer's and is a co-founder of the Global Alliance on Women's Brain Health. Welcome the next slacker to join us, Jill Lesser. Holy smokes, Jill. Welcome. I feel like a lot of that might have been irrelevant to this conversation, but so glad to be here. (laughs) Well, I mean, if nothing else, it shows as it relates to all the things going on in the wild, wild west of, you know, social media, digital media, and the internet, like you are one well-wounded woman when it comes to that. So I actually thought that, you know, especially stuff like the uh, copyright information, things like that are, are things that are near and dear to, to my heart. So thank you for, for that, bringing that to the table. And with that, let's jump in. I mean, I think uh, the, the impetus for this was a recent podcast guest we had, uh, Svetlana Letijic from Exactly Agency who shared quite a bit about um, Planet Possible and National Geographic's, uh, you know, Super Bowl event around Earth Day, if you will, and Earth Day Eve. So I, I would love to start with what we call the origin story. Tell us the origin story of how National Geographic's Planet Possible brand came to be. Yeah, so I am happy to do that. Um, you know, it's uh, so we have been working over the last year on, you know, what uh, trying to figure out how to best articulate what Nat Geo really brings to the table from a planet perspective. And as you know, we have a long, uh, more than 130-year history uh, with the National Geographic Society uh, in telling the stories of the world mm-hmm. and encouraging people to fall in love with the planet, right? Mm-hmm. Our um, sort of raison d'etre, if you will, has always been um, from the earliest days is, you know, helping people understand the world in in deeper mm-hmm. um, and better ways so that they sort of appreciate the, the wonders of the world. And, you know, one of the things that we were really trying to accomplish as we thought about um, 
Nat Geo and, you know, today's uh, state of the world, if you will, mm-hmm. um, all of the issues that we deal with every day um, in our daily lives that that have uh, that are either because of climate impact or have an impact on the on on the earth. And, um, you know, we wanted to to sort of lead people down a path of um really encouraging them to live more lightly on the planet right mm-hmm. so you know how do we communicate that that level of wonder curiosity and a you know just a, a, a an optimistic incentive to look at the future possibilities i mean <clears throat> we obviously continue to bring those really um serious stories to the fore and our, and and this is uh, you know has never been an opportunity to you know kind of minimize the import or seriousness of what's going on, but also to give people, uh, particularly in the time of COVID, you know, hope for the future. So that's really as as we started this ideation um, to really think about how we could you know better communicate to consumers. Um, you know, that was really some of those were some of the things in our in our minds. Well, I, I love some of the words you use there. I particularly, I wrote down optimistic incentive and, you know, with this is being taped at the very end of August in 2021 and with the recent climate report change that came out, we could use some of that because if that wasn't a, uh, you know, <laughs> major, another major shot above the bow of why you guys exist um, and why it's important. But to your point, I don't know what is. And so, the optimism is something that we need and a path to get there. I, I think what's really interesting for the brand marketers and media publishers that listen to this podcast is it's rare that you have such, we get to talk to such an iconic brand, right? I mean, Nat, National Geographic, as you um, said so well, is one of the most iconic and respected brands, period. Share your perspective on building ancillary media publishing brands or properties like Planet Possible. Uh, I'm, I'm a huge believer in the more niche you go, the deeper the relationship potential with your content community. But it's a different ball of wax when you're dealing with a brand that's such a gold star name. Yeah, I mean, I I think I will be honest. I think it's, you know, a little bit of an overstatement to say that we were really trying to create a sub brand, if mm-hmm. you will. I think what we were, you know, we set set out to to really rethink our brand pillars over the past year. So, you know, if you both, you know, sort of if you stop someone on the street or if you talk to the creators and executors across the brand, you know, what are they really thinking about? We kind of boiled down what really Nat Geo stands for to four lanes, mm-hmm. one of which is love of planet, right? And we think that, you know, we always infuse love of planet in everything we do, whether it's our imagery, whether it's our factual storytelling, whether it's our, you know, focus on exploration or adventure. But, you know, this notion of love of planet um, is a particular kind of storytelling mm-hmm. that, you know, more and more people are seeking out. And um, and I should probably, this, I hope this isn't a digression, but I should probably say, uh, just to make clear to your listeners, you know, National Geographic Partners, which is the a commercial side of National Geographic mm-hmm. is partially owned by the National Geographic Society and partially owned by the Walt Disney Company. So we were really focused on Planet Possible 
as a commercial mm-hmm. element. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the other uh, constituency of, uh, of uh, uh, you know, uh, in our in our orbit that was it, that we thought would be very interested in having a planet possible environment was our advertising partners. Mm-hmm. So that was sort of another um, way to think about this. So one is the consumer. So you get our, you know, kind of iconic content that isn't just about the environment, but it can be about travel, about history, about everything that we already bring to the table, about parenting, um, and put it under a Planet Possible headline uh, to really draw in, as you say, those kind of niche communities that are looking for that kind of content. And at the same time, partner with advertising partners who are looking to tell their own stories around mm-hmm. um, love of planet. So, you know, we, our impetus had to do both with revenue streams, as you might imagine, and also with connecting with that kind of consumer. And we would never lose kind of the National Geographic mm-hmm. name to go along with it, right? So it's always going to be the National Geographic kind of planet, bringing you planet possible, not um, a true sub-brand. Well, I or appreciate a, that. A you know, and I appreciate the context of National Geographic partners. And I think sometimes, even though it's such major headlines, the Disney ownership piece is something that some people sometimes tend to, to forget. And, you know, we here at Brand Story Inc. make no bones or apologies about you know, the eye on the advertising markets, part of what the podcast lives for. So I think to that end, I'm really curious. Um, we'll, we'll talk about Earth Day Eve in, in a second, but from kind of the vision state of Planet Possible, I mean, currently there's an email newsletter, there's a website. Uh, we recently discussed this with Exactly Agency, a really impressive integrated tentpole event with Earth Day. I'm curious of what you see for the vision for building upon the current base of Planet Possible. Um, so, you know, um, well, first and foremost, you know, we launched Planet Possible as a, um, as a uh, hub on National Geographic Media, Mm -hmm. and we also launched a Planet Possible newsletter. Uh, We will continue with those um, items. We have also... um, seen expansion of the concept and the brand with our partners all over the world. That's been a really interesting um, aspect of this, which is that we have seen, you know, our teams in Asia and in Latin America and in Europe and the Middle East um, with real resonance with Planet Possible as a way to bring the kind of content that to the fore that their audiences are looking for. Mm. And, you know, you know, just sort of culturally, you know, mm-hmm. there's always different uh, different demands and different needs for um, customers in different parts of the world. So um, we're going to continue to lean into it and also think about it, um, you know, as a as a, a way of organizing our uh, Earth Day, you mm-hmm. know, as what we do on Earth Day, um, hopefully year over year. Um, you know, we're also having discussions across the company about ways in which Planet Possible can be um, uh, either a segment or a part of what other lines of business are bringing Mm -hmm. to the fore. So, Mm -hmm. 
you know, Planet Possible branded trips mm-hmm. within, you know, our expeditions business, Planet Possible branded um, or collections and consumer products, those kinds of things. So how does it help in the same way bring content experiences and products to a particular audience through a love of Planet Lens? Well, I think it's really interesting and you kind of answered where I was going to go for the next question of some of the opportunities that you see developing either internally or externally with advertisers and in the, you know, ultimately the the con- uh, the people consuming the content. But and I think that's one of the things I was so, so excited to talk to you about, Jill, is the fact that you just talked about taking the brand of Planet Possible and just looking across the company in an integrated fashion, which easier said than done at a company like yours or larger structured organizations, right? Um, to, to tap into existing areas of expertise, which inevitably are kind of this like virtuous cycle, right? It's easier for an advertiser to buy in if it's threaded throughout the organization. It's um, easier to move a consumer or a con- somebody who likes the content down the, you know, to different areas to connect with like-minded people, whether that's on a trip or just consuming content. So uh, what, what's been the most challenging part of that for you navigating, um, you know, being part of a brand that's kind of integrating itself across the internal walls of Nat Geo? Um, well, you know, it, I, I think actually, thinking through what binds us all together as we think about different lines of business and different customer bases and different needs. Um, That's been actually the most exciting part of my job, right? Mm -hmm. So thinking about communities that bind together around planet, communities that bind together around exploration or adventure, and you know, really thinking about knitting together a journey for for our National Geographic consumers, regardless of where the business lives mm-hmm. within a company like the Walt Disney Company, right? So, you know, one of the things I that is so great for National Geographic within the Walt Disney Company is the incredible expertise that each segment brings to the table, whether it's in travel, whether it's in publishing, whether it's in consumer product, whether mm-hmm. it's in content creation and distribution. And, you know, that the thinking about the Nat Geo consumer and putting that consumer in the center and saying, well, how am I going to take this customer on a journey mm-hmm. that is going to be satisfying and is going to keep them with us not just year over year subscribing to the magazine, but doing multiple things with the brand, right? Yeah, That's that. you really find connection um, and, a, and a conversation with your um, consumers, and that's when they become super fans. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's kind of no-brainer for those of us in the media side of things because that's what we do, this always-on mentality of kind of – insatiable appetite of content for people who you know to your point you're giving optimistic incentive towards like love of planet for brands that aren't media companies i mean our company spends a lot of time getting people to think exactly like you're talking about right it's this always on mindset and it's not just content creation it's how to connect the dots to your point like that that you said more eloquently than i'm recapping which i love like the development of super fan 
not everyone's just following it on you know their feed or the email inbound newsletter it can be you know that that relationship you create going on a you know future plan a possible trip or the like of that so i, I love how you describe that i do want to transition to earth day eve which really is what caught my eye for this conversation. I mean, you flex the model of virtual events with Earth Dave integrating A-list relevant musical acts, the likes of Willie Nelson, Yo-Yo Ma, Ziggy Marley, a slew of planet possible friendly acts, as well as travel experts, you know, oh, and by the way, Jane Goodall. Uh, <laughs> explain how the event worked and, and what type of audience you were able to connect with and maybe most importantly, what you learned. Yeah, so, you know, one of the, uh, so we had, you know, lots and lots of thoughts about um, Earth Day and National Geographic, and, you know, I probably have a biased view, but would say, you know, what other brand would you want to celebrate Earth Day with? And mm -hmm. we had some really incredible content um, premiering on Disney+, Plus, Secrets of the Whales, that was a, a really incredible six-part documentary uh, narrated by Sigourney Weaver that highlighted the work of Brian Scarry. There was also a book out of publishing on his work, and our uh, magazine was entirely devoted to uh, the work, so lots on NG Media. And so, you know, we had some really excellent content, but we also wanted to figure out a way to engage um, and bring people closer to our work than just, you know, as I said before, you know, being a content provider. Mm -hmm. And we also spent a lot of time thinking about, you know, the universal language of photography and the universal language of music. Mm -hmm. Right. So when we when we really started to dig in, well, what are when you look at our iconic imagery, you know, what does it need? Right. Mm -hmm. And and a lot of us felt like, you know, as we sort of look around and we look what what really also particularly grabs young people and people from very diverse backgrounds, it is music. And we were no doubt limited by <laughs> uh, the, you know, the ever-present COVID situation. And mm -hmm. so what we had ideated about as having a, a you know, a physical um, uh, execution, we, you know, very quickly realized in our, in our thinking that would be a virtual opportunity. Um, and, you know, we felt like not only did we want to marry music and imagery, but we also wanted to, uh, really have people meet and understand and hear from our explorers, but in ways that were unexpected. So, you know, yes, they talked about their work, but they sort of also talked about who they were and how they became National Geographic explorers. Um, and we wanted to do it in a way, you know, I love the fact that we tested out uh, streaming the concert on YouTube because we also wanted to kind of test out a platform mm -hmm. that people could access from all over the world. You know, there were definitely challenges to all of this, but you know, we really, we, 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 we felt like we were um, hitting on something in this, in this combination of, of imagery and music. And then, you know, just in terms of thinking about the timing of it, we, you know, we love the idea of, you know, just like a lot of holidays, you know, Earth mm -hmm. Day starts the night before, start to think about how you're going to honor the Earth on Earth Day. Mm -hmm. We hope it will be by, you know, watching our programming on Disney Plus, but what else, right? Mm -hmm. Like, what are the things that, 
you can do on Earth Day that are that are going to help you be part of, you know, the solution um, to some of the problems in the world. And so we we settled on Earth Day Eve because we just kind of loved that like kickoff notion, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, of this day that had you know has sort of become something that just gets celebrated in so many different ways everywhere. Yeah, it's I, I it's um. It's super cool what you guys did. Biggest biggest win in your mind coming out of Earth Day Eve this year? Um, you know, I guess one of our biggest wins was uh, the UGC campaign that we kicked off after the concert. So we, I mean, I guess I would say this. Uh, let me correct myself. One is I loved the engagement in the concert in looking at everything that people had to say about how unexpected mm-hmm. the concert was for Nat Geo. And I, you know, I loved that we had, you know, both iconic musicians and people who, you know, had sort of very niche following. Mm-hmm. So just to me, that was very organically Nat Geo. And then we kicked off this um, UGC campaign that, you know, kind of allowed people to, you know, share their place in the world, mm-hmm. share your spot was our hashtag that was meaningful to them and that they wanted to sort of see survive and protect and the engagement um, across, you know, individual people, celebrities, um, explorers was just really fantastic to see and, and people really got into it. And so we loved, you know, getting people excited um, and, and getting really engaged in a, in a way that um, I think people just didn't expect from National Geographic. Yes. Yeah, it, it was so robust. I mean, and I think, as I as I alluded to earlier in the beginning of this podcast, there are few brands that you'll be able to talk to that have such, you know, the old exaggerated point to make a point. I mean, you have 108, National Geographic has 180 million Instagram followers, 25 million Twitter followers. And to your point, like the, I mean, it's been rated pretty much across the board as the number one Instagram account out there, right? In terms of what, through a number of different filters. And so... Uh, again, this is a little inside baseball for your peer group that's listening. What's the thought process on on Planet Possible's own social, that whole decision of like, you have this enormous social media and digital media footprint on top of everything else that you have, television networks and access to Disney, all those things. But just to put our arms around it, think about it through like social channels. I, I can't imagine the internal conversations that go on as it relates to that real estate, which is gold. And so I'm curious how you think about it, Planet Possible through that filter of the larger social accounts and, and how to leverage them or when to do it and, and how to stay on point. And any thoughts um, or insights that you have for other brands that are out there that are like yours in terms of scale and scope? Well, you know, we're we're very proud to say that at least on social media, there are almost no brands out there that are right. like us in, exactly. in size and scope. And, you know, and it, it just sort of shows you more than anything, the power of our imagery. I mean, that's what's just been so extraordinary to watch. Um, the growth of our Instagram hero account, um, which, again, accounts for 180 million people now is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I think we, the conversations that we have are less about, you know, is this planet possible or is this something else? And really about connecting with the fans 
in ways that will motivate them and and inspire them and engage mm-hmm. them right because that's ultimately what a brand wants right it's like is my is what i am offering you inspiring you and engaging you and and then can we um you know activate you and make you a paying customer mm-hmm. right like that's you want to use those kinds of communication channels um, to be able to tell your story. And I think we believe that, and Planet Possible is not the, you know, the only way that we're doing that, but, you know, Planet Possible gave us a language and a, and a phrase, if you will, Mm -hmm. that is very resonant, right? Because it's like, everybody's talking about climate change. Everyone's talking about the planet and we're sort of adding this element of possibility, right? And that's not to be Pollyannish again, but, but really to be uh, forward thinking um, and, and uh, pushing people to do and engage. And I think that, you know, from what we could tell in our research was just, we wanted to motivate people. And I, and so, you know, as we talk to our, you know, like all the folks who are more expert than I and lead our, our social platforms, Mm -hmm. you know, we end up in a dialogue about what is the right emphasis Mm-hmm. Um, at any given time, and some of that is dependent upon what our core content is. So, what's what's in the next issue of the magazine? What are we highlighting on NG Media? What is what are some of our big uh, shows that are coming out, whether on our linear network or on Disney Plus? And then, really, to think about how all of those uh, you know products interrelate to you know just putting out. Um, that amazing imagery on social media that people just eat up, right? Yeah. And constantly want to follow and engage with. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it. there's no right answer here. I just, again, the extremity of this, there's no one, you're the largest social media account on, on Instagram, right? From a brand perspective. And I think that um, what fa- it's, it's, it's a question we have quite a bit with in small to mid-sized businesses, right? Who, who almost have the opposite challenge where they think their brand is relevant and they're gonna start some niche within a niche, right? To kind of, uh, and, and it's always that debate. Do you start from the ground up and build, you know, Instagram follower one, right? Leveraging the master brand, if you will, or a Twitter, or, or do, you, do you embed it within your existing, channels and so those things are again there's no right answer and there's so many variances between marketplace and everything else it's just a it's fascinating knowing that the scale and scope of your footprint um and what the power of possibility is no no pun intended for for planet possible so super cool um any advice that you have for the larger brand execs listening uh, as it relates to the creation, launch, and management of properties that fall under the umbrella of their brand, like this does? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, w- I would say this, which is, you know, and we've learned a lot in the last several months um, about, uh, you know, one of the things that will not be surprising to you is that you know, National Geographic is one of the most recognized and most revered brands in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, we do this research constantly and the numbers are, I mean, you know, most brands would, you know, give their left arm for right. that kind of, 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 
you know, recognition mm -hmm. and, and reverence. You know, I think where we really have an opportunity in front of us is is being that sticky, relevant brand uh, that people really feel like, I, I got to have this brand in my life, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so one of the reasons why we've looked at initiatives or sub-brands like Planet Possible is because we also see a lot of brands who have that kind of recognition or have been around for a long time, you know, how do we speak to new audiences and how do we speak to, you know, sort of audiences that want to dig deeper mm -hmm. and really be with us? So we, we, you know, there are, as we consider, you know, as I said, like on the exploration and adventure lane, we're having similar conversations, right? So how do we make sure that National Geographic is not just for the climate scientist or the adventure mm -hmm. explorer who climbs Mount Everest, mm -hmm. right? How do we get to that everyday person? And that's one of the things that we were really looking for with Planet Possible is an opportunity to, to sort of speak, you know, uh, straightforward, easy to understand, easy to attached to language. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one thing, you know, like simple, but resonant with what you're trying to, to, to communicate. Um, you know, I, I think it's always a constant conversation and a balance between, you know, how much do you want to bring up a, um, you know, a, a sub brand or a brand campaign that's uh, related to, but distinct from the name of the brand, yep. um, you know, you gotta be careful and mm -hmm. you gotta do it in ways that, that makes sense. You know, uh, uh, some of our content and Earth Day and some of the, you know, the, the offerings that we have just sort of lean really in that direction. Mm -hmm. So it, it helped us find something uh, that, that can work for, for everyone while not undermining the, that, you know, that core identification with National Geographic, you know, those yellow mm -hmm. spines mm -hmm. everyone thinks of from their childhood. <laughs> <laughs> Still have them. Uh, so to that end, we're going to pivot or jump off of Planet Possible and, and jump into the world of uh, Planet Jill Lesser. So we do this segment with every guest uh, on the personal side, and, and it's called Morning Musts. And I'm curious about your email inbox as others are digesting Planet Possible what do you do to stay on top of industry news um, as it relates to your job? Um, you know, what do I do? Well, first of all, I have the benefit of having, um, of being part of the Walt Disney Company. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, we, I look at um, news from across all of our lines of business. What I really want to know is what's happening in, in each of our lines of business from a, um, you know, an, a, a challenge perspective, an economic growth perspective. I mean, as you might imagine, something like travel over the last <laughs> year, so all sorts mm -hmm. of different conversations you have for travel than you do for content. Um, so really making sure that I'm on top of uh, the business, right? Mm -hmm. So less about being on top of marketing and more about being on top of the business. I also think um, while there are limits to being data-driven in the creative world and in the world of connecting emotionally to mm -hmm. consumers through marketing or branding, 
I do think data is really important. Mm -hmm. So I really try to stay on top of both the research that our teams are doing across the company about consumers and consumer behaviors. Um, and uh, that are, you know, I, I have a lot of subscriptions where I look at, um, you know, general audience trends, whether they're media trends, whether they're trends for, um, you know, we want to uh, have a younger, more mm -hmm. diverse, more global audience. So what what's succeeding out there mm -hmm. with those audiences that are our target audiences? And what are they responding to? What kinds of conversations are they having? Um, and I guess the third thing is, uh, you know, to spend a lot of time, like, as almost like a, just a voyeur on social media. I'm not mm -hmm. really a big social media engager, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I am someone who, you know, looks a lot. Yep. Totally cool. All right. So last question for you, Bedside Bookstand. What are you reading for fun? Oh, I'm reading such a good book um, uh, right now called Interior Chinatown. Really? Never heard of it. Yes. Uh, What's it about? So it is really well done. Um, not that uh, overwhelming or long book uh, by Charles Yu. And it's really about um, the immigrant experience in you know, kind of un, unnamed Chinatown. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I think it, it, it really skews to the West Coast, but mm -hmm. really an unnamed Chinatown. And it is so, uh, it's really a, it's a story about a family, but it's really a series of vignettes and it brings to the fore um, perception of, uh, uh, you know, of people based on their, skin color or their look or what you think of their history, mm -hmm. um, which has been, you know, eye opening in so many ways, given what's going on in the world and in our country over the last year. But it also gets back to the conversation we were having before, which is, you know, what an extraordinary, you know, it gives me an opportunity mm -hmm. to really understand biases and people and mm -hmm. perceptions um, in ways that, you know, sometimes you forget about. Uh, particularly when you're not part of a part of a community, well, but it's really, it's really extraordinary. I love sharing that. It's this is like my poor man's Goodreads. I ask really smart people what they're reading, and it's just fascinating. I'm going to make like the world's most interesting book list, I think, in 2021. So, oh well, you'll have to send it to me. This book actually won the um, 2020 National Book Award. Nice. It's a really good book. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, Jill Lesser, for spending so much time with us diving into Planet Possible. We really appreciate your insights. Thanks for joining the show. Sure. Have a great afternoon. Thanks for listening to Brand Story, Inc. We'll be back next week with another conversation digging into the ways companies are becoming like media companies. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give me a follow on Twitter at underscore Jay Sharman and on LinkedIn.